Uh, let me just, let me kick off this morning's message like this. Tell me, tell you about my day yesterday. Um, so yesterday we had Bailey's second birthday party. And so I live out in New London and I'm going the back roads to go to City Lake Park. And I decided to take what I thought might be a shortcut. It's a new way, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? So I'm trying to learn new, new ways around Stanley County. And whatever way it was, circle me right back around to Austin Road, which is near where I started. So when I got to Austin Road, I'm thinking, um, I, I get out to, then I get out to 73, and I got to go either left or right. I'm at the Border Specialist Place, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I've been to City Lake Park a gazillion times. I know that left goes towards, the, towards Albemarle, right goes towards Concord. Are you with me so far? So I went left because that's towards the city, right? So I'm driving along. I got Sydney with me. I got Will. We had left early because we didn't want to be late to the party, and um, so we're, we're going. We got plenty of time. We get almost there, and then we see on the, on the right side, we see balloons tied to, like, the stop sign, the road sign. So I, when Sydney's like, that's it. So I turned in, and I'm like, no, this is not right. I, this is not it. So I, I turned around, went back, and then I thought, well, I guess I went the wrong way. So then I went the other way towards Concord. I mean, at least I'm smart enough to know that when I got to Millingport, I was like, wait a second, wait a second, this is not right. And so um, by this time, Sydney's like, Dad, like, when are we going to get there? And Will's like, come on, Dad. And I felt all this pressure, right? So I U-turned, I came back towards the city, and now I am doing what you should never do. I'm on, I'm driving, and I'm driving fast, and I'm Google mapping, and I'm every, like, City Lake Park, and it's trying to get me City Lake Park to some city lake in Nebraska. It's just craziness in the car, and I'm flying, I'm flying, I'm flying, because I don't want to be late. Eventually, I got there, just so you know. Now, here's why that's important today, because today I'm, we're wrapping up this Into the Water series. Um, we, we've talked for two months about disciple making. You know, we did this whole month of, called Focus. Well, what is the one thing that God wants us to do? The one thing he's called us to do is to make disciples, right? And so we know that. And then we got that in July. It's fantastic. And then in August, we've said this. If God wants us to make disciples, we know we're supposed to make disciples. But how exactly do we do that? And so this whole month has kind of been how we do that. And what's happened is this, as you'll see this morning. All across our church, people are starting to get stirred with ideas. God's starting to say, man, here, here's something you could do. Here's something you do. And, and sometimes we think if we just do something, just some kind of motion, then that's good. But what I learned yesterday is it doesn't matter how fast you're going, if you're going in the wrong direction, you're not going to get where you're going. So every now and then you got to kind of pull out the phone, right? You got to pull out your GPS. You got to check, make sure where you are, kind of recalibrate, hit that compass thing, that arrow thing that shows you exactly where you are so you know where you're going. And so this morning, I want to do that. I want to kind of use this time to, as we land this series, do it in such a way that you can take off on this idea, this life of making disciples everywhere that you go. We, we learned Throughout this, like the swimming pool. Remember the swimming pool? We talked about the swimming pool. Like if you're in the pool, it's because you've said Jesus is Lord. We're singing that song, You Are My King. And if you can sing that because you've accepted what Jesus did on the cross, then you're in a swimming pool. But what we learned about swimming pools is this. I mean, just look around the room. Lots of different types of people are in the swimming pool, aren't they? Some people really love the deep end, right? And those are the people in, in church that are like, Let's do a 12-week study on Leviticus, right? Those are the deep people. And then you got the shallow end people. They're just like, can we just sing happy songs all the time? Watch Paul try to dance because he can. It's a lot of fun. 
And somewhere in there, like, we're all in the pool. And, and our job as believers, one, is to make room in the pool for people to join. And two, is to make sure that everybody in the pool can swim, right? So if you want to hang out here and splash in the shallow end, great. But if you ever venture to the deep end, we don't want you to drown down there. We want to make sure that you can swim. Last week we talked about this. Sometimes we go into the water because people are drowning. Just imagine you're on the beach and you see somebody splashing. You know they're in trouble. What we don't want to have spiritually is a bunch of Christians that go, uh, can we get a lifeguard out there right now, please? Sometimes you have to go into the water. Like you work with people. You, you might be married to somebody. They could be in your family. And they, they are struggling. They are drowning. And you can't wait on, on me or some other pastor or some professional Christian to come help. Man, you're, we need to equip you so you can go into the water and save them. All these things we've talked about. What you've got to understand is we know that we're, we're supposed to, well, do this. We're supposed to jump. That's what we're supposed to do. Like what we've learned over the last two months is it's not enough to just kind of like be on the side and think about it, pray about it, know how to say it in the Greek, memorize it, start Bible studies, talk about it. You just got to do this. We just got to jump. What I learned yesterday is it's probably not enough just to jump. It's not enough just to get in the car, crank it up, hit the gas pedal, and go as fast as you can. It's important to know where you're going. So it's important for me today to help you see, man, where's... Not just are you supposed to jump, but let me help you see kind of how you're supposed to jump and where you're supposed to jump so that we're jumping into the right places. All that's going to happen in Matthew 28. And we've read this a couple times during the series. It's, it's called the Great Commission. If you've ever spent Sunday school, you probably heard that. It's called the Great Commission. We say it's called the Great Omission because it's the one thing that the church is supposed to do and probably doesn't always do the best job at. Just to kind of set the scene. This is not the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples, but it's pretty close. If you want to see the very last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he left earth, that's in Acts chapter 1. This is pretty close. He gets them together. Um, verse 16 says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Just a couple observations about that quick passage. Remember when we talked during the Focus series about how it's important that we're reliable? Like this message that we're carrying about the gospel, it's so critical, it's so important. That was the message I was carrying around that football the whole time, right? We talked about tucking in three ways and keeping it tight and secure. I thought about that this past weekend because Wendy and I got to go and watch the Panthers' preseason game. And as I'm watching the receivers drop pass after pass after pass, it was like, come on. Like, this is a big deal. you got to be able to catch the ball, be reliable. What I think is interesting about this is that he gave this commission to 11 disciples. He started with 12, remember? And only 11 got this. I mean, this is so critical. Even Jesus had to cut somebody, right, from the team. He's like, dude, you're not going to make it i got to have 11 reliable disciples. I love that as they worship, some doubted. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here. Now, maybe you doubt Jesus anyway. You doubt the Bible. You doubt church. Like right now, you're kind of sitting there going, dude, I just hope he's quick and he's interesting because this is not my thing. I get that. Maybe you're here. You really do love Jesus. 
You've heard us talk about making disciples, and because of how you, you think discipleship making is supposed to go, and this is how we all think it's supposed to go, you're supposed to have a 12-week class, sit at a table, talk to a bunch of people sitting there. They've got their, their, pit, their pads out, their pens, their writing, taking notes. It's all King James. You've got to be the most brilliant person ever. That's not discipleship making. Discipleship making, that, that might involve that, but it's, it's a lifestyle, right? And so you, you're thinking, man, I know we're supposed to make disciples, but I don't think I can do it. That's you. You're in the presence of God. People are worshiping. You're all on board with, yes, we should make disciples, but I doubt if I can. Maybe you're one of the doubting people. What I love about that is our doubt never stops God's call. You see that? Like they're doubting. And Jesus still says, I'm going to tell you something really, really important. And how important is what Jesus said? How much authority did he say came behind what he's going to say? He said all authority. Every drop, every ounce of authority in the entire universe, if there's any authority, I'm, I've got it. And what I'm going to say is backed by all that authority. So if, if this is the last thing he's going to say with all authority, I mean, do you think they're leaning in? I think they're leaning in. I thought, this is going to be really important. I need to listen. And what does he say? Go. Go make disciples. But not just go make disciples. This morning we need to talk about this. That there's a wrong way to go and there's a right way to go. I'm going to blow your mind because you don't think I know big words. But here's a big word, right? When I say the wrong way to go or the right way to go, I don't mean directionally like Left or right, I mean attitudinally. Isn't that an impressive word? I can't spell it, but I can say it, right? Like, what is your attitude? Like, how should I go? Not where should I go, but how should I go? Okay, we're going to talk about two different ways that we can go. One's wrong and one's right. Let's talk about the wrong one first. The wrong way to go. A couple years back, um, this, this phrase, YOLO, got really big. You remember this phrase? Thank God it's dying. Aren't you glad? Um, so like you'd, you'd see this hashtag YOLO everywhere. And what it stands for is you only live once. So it got really big. And so people would do something crazy or daring, you know, and, and like going streaking, hashtag YOLO, right? You know, just cr- crazy stuff. They would hashtag YOLO. And it's just been kind of risk-taking. I'm going to make a statement, okay? I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to show it to you in Scripture, that that is probably the most selfish worldview there is. Now, I'm all for risk, right? We talk about doing risky things all the time. God's not called us to be safe. You know, we say, even this whole series, we've said this from the beginning, it's safer to stand on the shore, but we weren't made for that. We we're made to jump. So I'm all about risk-taking, love that. Um, and, but here's the thing. This isn't really about taking risks. This is about doing what I want to do the way I want to do it. Here's how I know that. Nobody ever says on, on Twitter, you'll never see this tweet, just gave all I own to the poor, hashtag YOLO, right? You'll never see that, right? But, I mean, that would be risky, wouldn't it? Like, give it, give it all away. You only live once. I don't really need it. I'm going to give it all away. That would be risky, but nobody ever does that because it's all about doing what you want to do. It's about indulging. I'm going to try to make you feel bad if you hashtag it, but it's about indulging what you want to do. And the excuse for being able to do whatever you want to do is, well, you know, you only live once, hashtag YOLO. The real stories of this kind, the end of this, is what happened to a 21-year-old in Ontario, Canada, who got drunk, smashed, got in his car, is driving his car drunk 
as he texts, this is worse than me yesterday trying to find City Lake Park, he's drunk, driving drunk, texting and, and putting on Twitter as he's driving with these hashtags. Like, you know, drunk right now driving, hashtag yellow, I'm thinking hashtag stupid, right? The end result of all these hashtags, of all this, was he ran a red light, crashed into a wall, killed himself and the four people in his car. That's the end result of that philosophy, YOLO. And what I want you to see is, attitudinally speaking, that's the wrong way to go. When God says, go into all the world, he's not going, YOLO. The example in Scripture is Jonah. I'll just share with you the story of Jonah. He's, he's calling, and I'm going to read to you Jonah 1.1. 1, 1. It sounds so similar to what Jesus said to his disciples. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, and here's what, here's what God said. Go. Sound familiar? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Like, sounds just like Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. And God said to, to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. So guess what Jonah did? Because he's a type AAA. Are you sitting next to somebody type AAA? He went. So it's not about activity. I want you to understand that. We're not talking about activity. Like add one more thing to your list of things to do. Make sure you're busy doing religious church things. It's not about activity. It's about gospel-centered activity. And, and Jonah's busy, man. God said go, and so Jonah went. The problem was, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, which if you don't have a map, you don't know what happened. But he goes down, and he purchases a ticket to go to this city called Tarshish, which happens to be in the exact opposite direction of the place that God told him to go. So he's like, hey, God, I'm going. I'm going, baby. You told me to go. I'm going. But you're going the wrong way. And the reason he's going the wrong way is because he's selfish. We find that out later in the, in the, in the book. He preaches the gospel to them, and they repent, and he's mad at God. Like, he's ticked off. Like, these people are too bad to get better. You can't fix these people. I hate these people. His heart was wrong from the very beginning. Not only was he running from God, he told him about it. Look at verse 10. They knew when the storm hit, they knew he was running away from the Lord because he, was already, he had already told them so. Like, how bad is it when you're telling the people you're running from God? So what brings you on the cruise ship today, sir? I'm running from Jesus. Huh, party on. It's like, what? He's telling everybody I'm running from God. I know I'm going the wrong way. That's the wrong way to go. Here's a big idea for you today. You just jot this down. Because this is, this is Jonah. Headed away from God. Totally out of control. He's doing something. There's activity, but he's not doing what God asked him to do. He's going the wrong way. The quickest way to lose your way is by running away from God's way. And man, some of us, we can relate to that, can't we? God. It's like, dude, that's my life in a sentence. Every time I've got myself in trouble... It's because I have gone as fast and as far as I can away from what God wanted me to do. The quickest way to lose your way is by running away from God's way. So what is God's way? If, if the wrong way is YOLO, if the wrong way is like this picture of Jonah, like I'm, I'm active, I'm moving, I'm doing something, preacher said do something, I'm doing something, but it's all the wrong way with the wrong attitude, then what's the right way? The right way. Matthew 28. Now, the King James doesn't get used much anymore. You, maybe you have the King James here. 
But there's a phrase in the King James that we're going to talk about this morning. It's, it's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. In my Bible, the NIV, it says this, Therefore go, make disciples of all nations. So we know we're supposed to go. We get that. We know what the wrong way is. The wrong way to go is YOLO. It's all about me, do what I want. What's the right way to go? And I'm going to introduce you to a little phrase called GOLO, okay? We got a little bit of fun here, right? So we got YOLO is bad. We got GOLO, okay? So hang with me, right? So here's where it comes from. Verse 19, therefore go. So you got the first two letters, right? Go. You with me? All right, so he says all that. And then in verse 20, now in my Bible it says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. But if you have a King James Version, what you'll see is, and lo, I am with you always. For whatever reason, the King James leaves the S off. I don't know why, but and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Go low. This is how we're supposed to make disciples. This is how we're supposed to go. So let me just talk through, what, what, is, what does that low mean? It's such a short word. Surely I am with you always. Have you ever been really confident about something? You weren't in the first service. Let me just tell you what happened in the first service. I was so proud of myself for this word attitudinal. I mean, I'm so, I don't do like those kind of syllable words very often. I was so proud. And so I said it in the first service, like, I got a new word. You're going to love it, attitudinal. And I had a teacher sitting like in the second row. And as soon as I said it, this is what she went. And I was like, oh, snap. It's not a word. I was so sure it was a word. I didn't even check it before service started. I was positive it was a word. And so, like, my confidence, like, just sank, right? Well, it's a word, baby. It's a word, all right? We looked it up. So I'm not an idiot. I'm a really smart, intelligent idiot because I said the word and didn't know if it even was a word. Um, But here's the thing. Like, you can't walk with confidence if you don't have confidence, like, I'm all into it. I'm like, I'm going to pop this word out. They're going to think I'm amazing. And it was like, oh, snap, I'm an idiot in front of all these people. Never say that word again. That's it. Just for a moment, confidence just kind of, it drops. And listen, that's what low means. And surely, surely, I am with you always. What are we confident about? We're confident that he's always going to be with us. That there's nowhere we can go as we make disciples that his presence is not going to be with us. And here's what that confidence does for us. Man, it, it fills us with his love, doesn't it? I mean, have you ever been on a date? I mean, when you get married, you still date. But have you ever been on a date with your spouse and it's just forgettable? You know, I mean, I'm not, it's not because you don't love each other, but it's like you're tired. You know, she got the salad, you got the steak. You're watching Sports Center behind her. You know, it's just forgettable. But every now and then, Right? Every now and then, something happens. A word is said, a music, a song's played, and like on the inside, you're just like, oh, you're back to like when you first met. And you know that she loves you and he loves you, and like you're just like, and that confidence, just like, oh my gosh, this is what, this is why we're married, changes everything. Man, when you really know the love of God, when we really know the love of God, when we really know His presence, He's with us always. Man, it should fill us with so much. Some of you are like, I just want the steak, right? Forget the, I just want the steak on that day. That's what sounds so good. We get full of that kind of confidence. There's nothing we can't do. And it's not because we're good. It's because He's with us. That's what low means. So attitudinally speaking, how are we supposed to go? We're supposed to go 
totally confident that He is with us. And when we're full of that kind of confidence, because we know that we're loved by God, we know He's with us, there's no fear in that love. You know what it frees us up to do? Give that love away. So YOLO. YOLO means you only live once. YOLO! But GOLO means go outrageously love others. That's how I want to live. I don't want a hashtag YOLO for my life. I want my hashtag to be GOLO. I want people to look at me and say, that dude, man, he outrageously loved others. He went to the extreme. And why can't we do that? Because we know, lo, I'm with you. Surely I'm with you always. There's nothing you're going to encounter. There's nothing you're going to experience that I have not already seen, that I cannot take care of. There's no addiction I cannot break. There's no person who can fire you and I can't replace that job with something else. There is nothing you'll face that I can't take care of. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Golly. I mean, that's confidence. We can go anywhere at any time. And do anything. If Jonah, I mean, if, Ju- if Jonah was an example of YOLO, then Jesus is an example of GOLO. Let me show you this real quick in John chapter 13. And then we're going to wrap this thing up and go get a steak. So we're going to start. It's in John chapter 13. The, the verses I really want you to see are 3 and 4, but I'm going to start in verse 1, okay, just so you can see kind of how, how this ties together. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. So, you know, this is not like romantic, like, hey, I'm going on vacation, guys, right? Like, he knows the cross is coming. He knows he's going to die. He knows there's there's bad stuff ahead. He knows that. And so what is he going to do because he knows that's coming? Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. So we're talking about his love. Go low. Go in love. Go love the world. Go love with the love he's given you. If, if he wants to show somebody the full extent of his love, how does Jesus do that? That's what's critical to us, right? How does Jesus do that? If we're going to go love the world, how does Jesus love the world? Well, he preaches 25-minute sermons. He calls people to repent as they sing just as I am, right? He does all the things. No, he doesn't do any of that. He didn't, he didn't whip out a Bible. They just ate together. You see that? They ate together. You want to love the world? Man, invite your neighbor over to eat. That the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, that's the guy that got cut, to betray him. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. That's, that's like a Dr. Phil moment, isn't it? Like all the people that we pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars to to help us figure out these questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where did I come from? What am I supposed to do? Jesus knew all that stuff. Dr. Phil's nowhere in the gospel. It's fantastic. Because he knew all that, because he was confident in the love of God, lo, I will be with you always, what did he do? Verse 4, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And if you know the story, he went on to wash the disciples' feet. He served them. Man, there's something about being full of the confidence of knowing who we are, knowing why we're here, what we're called to do, having no agenda, because YOLO is all about your agenda, GOLO is all about God's agenda right? No one, it's not about me. My love tank is full because Jesus has loved me. I'm accepted by the Father. I can go pour out on other people. When we know that, we can serve people. Ultimately, Jesus didn't just serve them there. He served us on the cross. 
So here's the question as we kind of land this whole series. How do we know if we're going the right way or the wrong way? How do we know if we're going the right way or we're going the wrong way, if what we're doing is, is activity or if it's gospel activity? Wouldn't it be great if in our lives we had signs like these every time we were going to mess up? Wouldn't that be great? Like you're praying to God, you're like, like, you're like Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty. Just give me a sign, right? And they're like everywhere. Wouldn't it be great if you're like at home, God, is she the one? And you just looked up and saw like, do not enter signs everywhere. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be fantastic. How do I know if this is the right way or the wrong way? You say, wrong way. Perfect. You know, I, I'm going to submit this. I think, I think there may be a sign. I think there may be a way for us to know if we're going the right way or the wrong way. Okay? And he, here's what I think it is. We know that what we're sent to do is to go. We know we're called to go in love. We're, we're called to go in the presence of God, love the world around us. Go outrageously love others. We know that's what we're supposed to do. That's how we make disciples in this world. We know that. And if we know we're supposed to make disciples, is it okay for us to ask this question? Is what I'm doing now contributing to that goal? Can I find the gospel in what I'm doing now? Is there anything about Disciple-making in what I'm doing now. I mean, so like, that's how the world, that's how the gospel enters and permeates our everyday lives. Here's an example. My example, then we'll give you a better one. At the Panthers game, they're not. I told you, I'm, I'm there. They're dropping passes left and right. We're just sitting there, me and, me and Wendy are hanging out with Justin and Erica. And as they're dropping passes like crazy, I'm like, God, like the gospel's nowhere in, in Panther Stadium, right? It's just a football game. Until Justin turns to me and says, dang, Paul, this is just like what you preached. Like, they're not reliable. And so I'm like, holy smokes. Like, he just brought the gospel into a Panther game. It didn't help him catch the ball, but whatever. It's a good try. That's, that's what it means to make disciples. That's what it means to ask yourself this question. Is what I'm doing in, what, in, my, in the job that I have, in the relationships that I have, is this leading to the gospel? Is this leading to making disciples? And if it is, man, you're going the right way with the right attitude. And if it's not, well, I would never mention Jesus to my friends. Why not? I'm a little scared. Well, then you don't know the presence of God. And you're going the wrong way, right? That's how we judge. Is what I'm doing causing me, am I stumbling in this, or am I walking well in this? Um, one last verse, and then we've got a quick video for you. Hosea a book that you probably did not use for your quiet time this week. Hosea chapter 12, chapter 14, the last verse of the, of the, the, the book. It's on page 1,248. It says this, verse 9, the very last verse. It says, who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. Hosea 14, 9. What will he understand? What are the wise going to understand? Here's what they're going to understand. The ways of the Lord are right. What are the ways of the Lord? That we would walk with Him as we love a world and make disciples. That's the way of the Lord. That's right. And here's two different people. The righteous walk in them. We just talked about Jesus. The rebellious stumble in them. So in this thing about making disciples, are you walking in that or are you kind of stumbling in that? And if we're stumbling in it, it doesn't mean that you're lost and can't ever do anything good for God, but it probably means you need to kind of check yourself and say, like I was on the road, where is City Lake Park? Pull out your phone. Check the map. Recalibrate. Maybe you need to pull out the map. Matthew, 
28. And read it again. Wait a second. I'm busy doing all kinds of things. I'm just supposed to be making disciples. How can I bring that into what I'm doing now? That's your map. How can I do that now? Here's how I want to close this morning. I want to close the series. I want to give um, somebody from our, our congregation just a chance to kind of share with you uh, an example, just a real live example of how this works out. So I'm, I'm teaching on focus, on making disciples, and we're talking this month about how that looks and how we jump into the water. And I get an email from somebody in our church that says, man, you've been this summer, like every time you're, you're preaching and I'm hearing it, God's really speaking to me. Probably God's taking the message and making it better as he's talking to this person. And he's like, I'm just challenged to do something. I've got, I feel like I'm supposed to do something. And this is what God's burdening me with, and, and here it is. I'm like, that's perfect. I want you to share that with the church because this is how God calls us into the water to make disciples. It's not going to be a program that the church starts. It's going to be something, a fire that he starts in you. And I want you to see just an example of what that looks like. When you get burdened for something and you start to take those steps, jump into the water, this is what can happen. Uh, my name is Ben Fibbs. Um, I'm a homeschooler. Uh, and over the summer, um, as Pastor Paul said, uh, the Lord just laid a burden on my heart uh, for the Christians over in the Middle East who have been forced to flee their homes in fear of persecution um, by the Islamic State known as ISIS. Um, I, I just couldn't sit back and watch the problem continue. Uh, I had to do something about it, uh, even if it was something as simple as raising awareness. Um, so I put together... Um, this little project uh, and sent it out to local churches just to get the word out and to educate people on what is really going on um, over in the Middle East. Um, ISIS continues to gain ground uh, throughout Iraq and Syria. Um, on this day last year, uh, they, they hold over one-third of both Iraq and Syria, and um, that, that number is growing um, each day. Um, uh, Currently, there are 5,000 Christians uh, living in Jordan seeking temporary relief uh, from local churches there and local residences uh, because um, ISIS has entered their cities um, and given them a choice to either uh, convert to Islam and pay a fine uh, or die. Um, and so out of fear of uh, giving up their faith um, or being killed, they have, they have uh, made a desperate escape uh, to these surrounding countries. Um, these people are completely reliant on Christian donations and uh, generous giving from churches uh, due to government inadequacy. Um, and not to mention there are 120,000 uh, Christians currently, currently living in Erbil, um, a city in the Middle East, um, in tents uh, because they've been, been rendered so destitute and they've, uh, they're in, currently in poverty. Um, I believe that God has uh, blessed the American church uh, greatly um, with much wealth, uh, and everything he does is for a purpose. Um, and I believe that that purpose uh, is to help these people, um, to aid our Christian brothers and sisters. Um, these people are drowning, and as the lifeguards, we can't recline in our chairs and, and watch them suffer. We need to jump into the water and step out and be different and take action and help them. Um, I believe as the church, it is our duty to bear one another's burdens, um, as Paul says in Galatians 6.2, um, and to love our neighbors, especially our Christian neighbors, um, as we would ourselves. James said that faith without works is dead, and today you have the opportunity 
to put your faith into action. By giving to Samaritan's Purse, you can provide life-saving food and water and clothing and shelter to a family that desperately needs it, uh, who are currently living in poverty over in the Middle East. Um, no gift is too small, I can assure you of that. Um, in 2 Corinthians 9-7, Paul says that each person should give according to what he feels he should in his heart. Um, and God loves a cheerful giver. Um, and even if you can't give financially, um, I would encourage you just to pray. Um, that's the greatest gift of all. Um, just pray that God's Spirit would give these Christians the courage and the peace um, and the comfort to endure um, their current suffering um, so that it can produce hope um, within them. And one final thought, I pray that you would reach out um, to those um, in your sphere of influence. I pray that you would tell them about this, um, about this message, about this problem, so that they too can help. Um, when we fulfill our role as disciplers and we reach out um, and, and make a difference, um, uh, we, can, we can impact lives for Christ. Um, uh, in the bulletin insert that you received, you see a website link there um, to Samaritan's Purse. Uh, you can uh, go online and give if you haven't come prepared today. Um, or uh, you can just simply pray um, and ask the Lord to, to be with those Christians. Um, well, thank you for this opportunity. It's been a pleasure to serve the Lord. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, and I'll just hand it back over to Pastor Paul. Um, what I want you to remember, we'll, we're going to address the cause, but I don't want you to remember just the cause, okay? The reason I had Ben do this is because I want you to see this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when God begins to move in your heart about something that you should take action on is that you don't just stand on the side of the pool and think about it, but you jump, right? You put a presentation together. You send out an email. You, you jump, and you just kind of, what happens after that is God's got a lot to do with that, but you've got to jump. And, and I want you to see that as we, we talk about making disciples, going into the water, we talk about going the right way, not the wrong way. That God's going to start, I've been praying this, God's going to start moving in your hearts. He's going to start burdening you with causes, with situations, with people. I mean, I want you to be encouraged. I'm so encouraged. I'm going to vote Ben president someday. I'm so encouraged to see somebody step up and say, man, I'm going to take a jump. Just give it a shot and see what happens. But that's what God wants for all of us. And that's what we're praying for you. While it might be safer, this is how we started the series, it might be safer on the shore, nothing about the gospel takes place there. To take, have that happen in our lives, I mean, we've we got to jump into the water. To make disciples, to preach the gospel, you've got to jump into the water.